you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks, it's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the show, my family and friends. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Sit down. Oh, no. The clapping is too much. The clapping is too much. Uh, just shut that stuff <laughs> off. Give me a fucking break. Uh, guys, welcome to the big show. The podcast, billionaires, CEOs, entrepreneurs, newsmakers, and the hottest authors come on the show to talk their shop. Now, I'm not talking about Victoria's Secret hot. Uh, authors i'm just talking about the hottest new books coming off the shelf so just so we make that clear uh, the attorney said i have to disclose that anyway guys welcome to the chris Voss show family family that loves you but doesn't judge you just remember don't ask me for money it's not that kind of family people we just uh, love you to listen to the show and you know and you're part of a big uh thing there so uh there's that as always with a family though you need to tell all the relatives to show up for the family reunion and this is what the podcast is it's a giant family reunion the stuff i make up from just right off the top of my head uh it just amazes me from time to time i had to break the fourth wall there yeah. um so we need you to share that with your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and uh, Chris Foss1 on TikTok. And if you don't share the show and refer to your friends or relatives, do it or else. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is. I'm just kidding, people. We're not going to. The lawyer says I can't threaten people anymore, and so does the judge. I'll get the ankle, ankle bracelet off next week. We have an amazing gentleman on the show. We're going to be talking about his new book that uh, he had uh, put out in December 20th, 22, and uh, some of the work he does. I think you're going to like it. He does uh, what he calls geek-centered therapy and psychotherapy up in Washington State, and he's going to maybe help some people with their uh, geeky brain damage. He's gonna he's gonna teach you how to uh, uh, surgically remove the pocket protector, uh, evidently, and and other elements of geek culture. Uh, so he's joining us today. His newest book, new, his newest book, not fishy enough, a ridiculous parable about finding worth through self acceptance. Uh, Britton Colbert joins us on the show today he'll be talking about that book and all of his other fun stuff as we mentioned before uh he is a family therapist focusing on geeks as a special population he has taught applied improvisation improvisation at saga school general assembly and aspiring youth Reither. Uh, he has done many odd things, ranging from research scientist associate at applied research laboratories to board member of Washington Association for Marriage and Family Therapy to computer sales to performing regularly with Comedy Sports Austin to working in the film industry in Los Angeles. He's still working on commas. 
He spent his youth split between mountains or whoever wrote this. He still it, look the second paragraph. They do commas. He spent his youth split between mountains, culture, and extended family in Austria and a ranch, livestock, space technology, and energy culture in Houston. In what little free time he has left after the grand adventures of his family, he runs, skis, writes sketch comedy, and has conversations with his cats. What and tries not to set himself on fire while cooking. Again, wow! Now we have a show. Britton, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Hey, thanks for having me on. There you go. Please don't let me forget to ask what that final cooking on fire story was. <laughs> but in the meantime, get let's give, to get to uh, get us to your dot com so people can find you on the interwebs. Hey, I've got two dot coms: BrittonColber.com, because that's hard to spell. It's b r i t o n k o l b e r dot com, or even better, not fishy enough dot com. There you go. And we need to get something else later in the show. Don't let me forget about this. But the title of your biography is Behold the Family Knows. So, <laughs> we'll get that. so uh, give us uh, an idea yeah. of why you wrote this book, uh, Not Fishy Enough. Uh, well, I wrote this book to solve a problem. So I was um, realizing that after many years of being a psychotherapist and helping people through things, uh, it turns out I was kind of following the roads with people like, you know, this is the thing happened in my childhood and this was my ex and blah, blah, blah. My mom doesn't love me. Well, all that. And then it keeps coming down very frequently to like this thing where it's like, well, I just don't believe I'm worth anything, oh. you know, or variations of that. You know, sometimes it's shame or just like, I'm kind of just, I just don't believe I'm really that good. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this problem kept coming up. And I was like, well, what if I could do kind of a, you know, an almost time travel kind of thing? What if I could just prevent this sort of thing from happening, at least for like the younger set? Mm -hmm. How do I prevent this kind of like, I'm not good enough um, so that I can, I mean, kind of work myself out of a job, but also like cut down a lot of suffering. There you go. So do you find that a lot of those elements, uh, you know, just to clarify what you said, a lot of those elements of my mom doesn't love me, my dad didn't hug me enough, tell me he was proud of me, uh, yeah. you know, uh, my grandmother told me I was ugly, uh, you know, that sort of thing. It all boils down to that. I'm sorry about that, by the way. Yeah. Huh? I'm oh. sorry about that, by the way, with your grandmother. Oh, I, I had a really toxic family. <laughs> 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 Uh, and it all boils down to that one thing about how yeah. um, you're unlovable and not worthy enough. Yeah. I mean, not you personally, but. Right. Well, I did believe that. I mean, despite attempts to like, you know, uh, you're great and whatever, uh, you know, it kind of snuck in. I mean, that's the kind of thing that happens when you fail preschool three times. You know, you're like, wait, what's wrong with you this? Fa you failed preschool three times? I, I did. I mean, it was an odd school, but they somehow huh. they were like, something's up with this kid. That's like you know. a callback joke we do on the show. Only we use second grade. We use preschool a couple <laughs> of times, but we usually say a flunk second grade. We did some testing on it actually, but you actually did flunk. I seriously did. They were like, wow. you know, they would ask me like trick like questions, like, "All right, all right, all right, does a boat have wheels?" And I'm like, "Okay, good trick question." Yes, and they're like, "Oh god," you know, they're thinking <laughs> like, "Oh no, 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 cars have wheels, trucks have wheels." Uh -huh. But like boats, well, you know, steering wheels and pulleys yeah. on things. You know, they weren't expecting that from preschool. I mean, as a kid, I had, I had like, I think I saw some boats that had wheels. You know, you could pull yeah. it across the thing. But I mean, yeah. if you think from a realm of possibility where you're like, oh, you're an idea, man. You're like, 
It could. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what was going through my head. I vividly remember being asked that question. There you go. Like working it through. There you go. Same. Well, fuck those people. <laughs> um, so you flunk it three times and, yeah. uh, and and well, okay, so let's let's yeah. go. We'll we'll do a hero's journey here in a bit. But give us yeah, a yeah. thirty thousand overview of what's inside the book. Evidently, there's a bit of a parable in here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the parable is. Um, let's see, the thirty thousand view of me is like I tried to solve this problem that I mentioned before. You know, how do I kind of prevent this self acceptance thing from like going dark? Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, a great way to do this is if I make it simple, but not like oversimplified, you know, like Joseph, uh, so Richard Feynman is like, if you can't explain something in simple terms, you don't understand it. So I kind mm -hmm. of build from that and make it into a story. So it's, so it's memorable. And so this little, you know, this little guy goes on a journey in a way that's like, it kind of gives you things you can use, mm -hmm. um, but in a way that isn't an insult to kids, but is actually, interesting enough for adults to kind of grab onto something and be like, okay, this comedy works on multiple layers. You know, I've right. had people in their fifties be like, what are you talking about me? Like, this is exactly me. And my kids, my, and like his fifth grade class at the time were like mobbed me lightly. Cause they were like, I love this book. So it's, it's <laughs> for a broad audience. Um, anyway, so simple, not cheesy. Um, and I was inspired by things like, um, Spencer Johnson, the guy who wrote, um, who moved my cheese. Oh, know, yeah. It's a, it's a classic sort of a parable classic at this point parable, uh, to get people to think about change. And like, that sounds cool. How mm -hmm. do I do something like that? And then, you know, I started iterating on it, like writing about it and like a couple of years into it, like, okay, I think this is ready. You know, I, I kind of workshopped it with a lot of folks and people keep responding to it so wow. it's been it's been really amazing there you go uh so uh in 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 i believe there's illustrations yeah. in here and it, it's kind of a part of the parable is a story of crabs and fish yeah and so uh, the other high level thing is it's kind of like it's about a crab that grows up in an isolated tide pool um with and adopted by fish and so there's no other crabs around and fish is his example. He just grows up thinking he's like a really incompetent fish. Like he can't, <laughs> right? He's got to eat with his fins. He can't swim properly. He feels oh, like an man. idiot. What an idiot. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm judging. Well, feels like I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> I'm not but see, it happens. It happens. I'm not, help I'm not helping the healing here. Yeah. So, yeah. they, so yeah. they, is this targeted to because it's illustrated and you know it talks about crabs and fish and some fun mm -hmm. sort of uh, characters? Is it targeted to a certain audience of age or just fun for everybody? Well, you know, if you try to categorize this uh, on Amazon or the bookstore, they kind of cross their eyes a bit because I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, because it's clearly, <laughs> it's clearly for kids and it's clearly for adults. But the best cross-section is for kids and the adults who care for them. Because it's, especially with the questions at the end, it's about sparking a conversation. How do you talk about worth? How do you talk about critical thinking? How do you talk about, like, fitting in? Um, how do you talk about gender in a way that feels, like, safe enough to talk about? 
There you go. Yeah. Uh, and, and parables are a great way to learn. I mean, you learn from stories because yeah. you know, sometimes just someone telling you, hey, you're an idiot, you should fix yourself, is a little hard to learn from. So, <laughs> it turns out, yeah. Yeah, just that's what people have been telling me for 55 <laughs> years, and look how that turned out. Um, so, uh, yeah, par parables going through, learning self-acceptance. You know, I really never thought about it, but a lot of different issues of what people have. I mean, I suppose childhood traumas yeah. and abuse and different things can fall into that same category of yeah. of learning to ex uh, finding your self-worth and accepting yourself because so many people have treated you worthlessly, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> well, one of the things I think that is awesome about self-worth and like self-acceptance. So, yeah. Thanks, Mom. Um, <laughs> is, uh, okay, good. Um, is like, if you actually like yourself, which what? is a hard concept for me. What? I know. If you like yourself, you don't care that much about what other people think. Yeah, that's true. Screw you know? those people. Right. Uh, you know, it's yeah. kind of like... Whatever. I still don't like myself, but I still say screw those people. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a different... We can talk about that after the show. That's a different malady. <laughs> that's a different psychosis. Yeah. Yeah. Got to love narcissism. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so you wrote the book, and it's designed yeah. to help people. And I guess you use it in your practice. One thing that's yeah. interesting about your practice is we aforementioned... Aforementioned? Uh, Geek-centered therapy. Yeah. So you, you work mostly with people who are geeks? Yeah. All right. So yeah. do you turn away people who are not geeks? Like you're just like, I'm sorry, you're not geek enough. No, no, not okay. yet. Right. I mean, the thing is, <laughs> everybody's got, I mean, geeky is kind of like a culture thing. It's kind of like uh -huh. if you're into things, you don't care what other people think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not all like star trek and uh magic the gathering you know it's and just D &D, like yeah and dnd it's 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 people like getting into something they don't necessarily care about what other people think you know they're just you excited go. about entomology or whatever the heck there is there um yeah so you so you work with the socially awkward this is per yeah. your website so i don't yeah. want people think i'm throwing shade yeah. uh at uh, people wear pocket protectors all the time. Uh, he's done great work with the socially awkward, the obsessed, the passionate uh, con attenders, referring to like Comic Con, yeah. um, the cosplays, the D&D players, the sci-fi enthusiasts, the philosophers, the engineers, the scientists, the coders, developers. You ever work with furries? They're pretty geeky too. Not yet. There's still that's, that's the edge. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if like. 2052 there's like you know the first openly furry uh public official or something there you go well yeah. you are in so washington good. so i think you'd have to open in portland oregon to experience some time. of that so yeah there's still yeah. time there's still time <laughs> uh, i'd like to I, there's, a, there's a whole I'm, I'm sure there's a whole psychological uh 10 to 20 year uh business there of solving whatever's going on with furry things yeah and yes i am judging um you, you also talk about trauma and the chaos yeah. of ADHD. Yeah. Uh, you have advanced training in those. Um, uh, so uh, what are some of the ways that you help people? And I guess, I guess you only practice in Washington, so people yeah. people would have to deal with you up there. But what, yeah. what are some of the things you find people that are of the, the, the geek nature? Maybe this should be a gender because there's already 500 of them. Yeah. Um, what do you find people of the geek nature suffer from the most or, um, you know, or, or 
majority of time trying to overcome yeah. other than just being geeks. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, a lot of it is about self-acceptance. Mm -hmm. Like it really does like segue right into the book um, because there didn't necessarily choose to be into whatever they are. It just kind of happened to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it could be like people that just really like data science, you know, mm -hmm. they, they just, you know, and the people that, you know, like to code, uh, they like to do cosplay. Um, they just have trouble thinking like it's okay to be who they are. You mm -hmm. know, they get up sometimes, well, frequently bullied or at least socially ostracized. They go to college, they kind of find their people often mm -hmm. like, oh, great. Okay. There's at least there's some more people like me. I feel like less of a freak now. Yeah. Um, but also imposter syndrome, depression, anxiety, like they all kind of, kind of go together. Yeah, because uh, sometimes they they're people that um, sometimes just they have a different um, angle in life. Like they can think That's in right. numbers, and they can think in math, and they can think in. But but sometimes they're socially awkward, as you you put yeah. on your website. Um, and so and so and part of it is because they you know they think in that different way. But they certainly have you know when I grew up watching what was it nerds? What was that nerd <laughs> movie that was so popular? Oh, Revenge you know, of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds. You're always yeah. picking on nerds and stuff. But yeah. they sure took over the world, man. You know, yeah. now like there's, like we talked about in the pre-show, there's Elon Musk and, yeah. you know, there's uh, that Bill Gates guy. And, yeah. you know, I mean, that guy yeah. still is nerdy as shit. And he's got yeah. like billions of dollars. And you can't even yeah. fix that. <laughs> no, no. Well, you could. He could just give it away. He could solve that problem pretty quick. Oh, yeah, that problem. But the nerds thing, he's still, No, the nerds thing, no. You, you, it's, still, it's hard. It's like, you know, it's like asking someone to just not be who they are. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can fake it for a little while and kind of blend in. Yeah. But ultimately, it's like, well, I'm just, I'm into this. I like well, this. it's a big, I, I it's a big world and everyone's different. And that's the yeah. beauty of, of how our world works is you, you can have you know, there's different people and, and different people make up the world and contribute to, um, contribute to the greatness of this world because yeah. there's nobody's got the thumb on the scale. And, uh, you know, maybe these guys can't, uh, run the, uh, run the, uh, marathon or, well, they can run marathons, but you know, maybe they can't be Tom Brady and, and whatever, but you know, they don't have that, uh, caveman muscle type sort of thing, but they got the brains. They got them, their brains. Yeah. Which is, neither of well, i have <laughs> well i mean real, real quick real quick it reminds me of like the original definition of survival of the fittest you know darwin was not about like fitness in like being big and strong it was mm. like do you fit in your environment so if our oh. environment favors like being smart and kicking butt that way well that's the fittest that's all mm -hmm. there is to it yeah we definitely moved from a world where brawn was everything to where now brains are everything which has left me behind on both scales. Uh, so there you go. Uh, there was some tease out in your bios that we wanted to come back to. One was the nose thing. Behold the family nose. What's up there? Okay. Um, well, it was uh, another little like self-acceptance thing because it was part of my little journey. Like I grew up being, uh, there's a guy who made fun of me. Uh, we since kind of made up for it, but he called me needle nose the crap out of me. I mean, it was even pointier when I was a kid. It was even pointier than uh -huh. it is now. And I was pretty self-conscious about it. 
Um, my mom oh. was even like, you know, hey, let's get you some plastic surgery. You know, what's with your mom, eh? Fix that out. Well, she wanted me to have a good future, but I was then I went to so I, my in Austria. I went to my uncle's pastry shop, and he wasn't there. I was asking for him, and mm. as you know, as my uncle there, and they were like, well, who's this kid? But they looked at me for a second and they're like, oh, he's got the Colbert nose, and I was like, oh my god, I feel seen. You know, like this is not just like something weird. This is family. This means I belong somewhere. And that just stuck with me for there years you know. since that. I was like, okay, this is the family knows. Now I know why you went into therapy. There you go. <laughs> Anytime I meet someone in psychiatry, I'm like, what happened to you as a child? Oh, yeah. Yeah. People go into therapy. This is my theory. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But my theory is a lot of people go into psychiatry because it's cheaper to go in and learn the business to fix all their childhood problems than it is to pay somebody to do it. Oh, Which, I think you're not you're not wrong. I mean, if you go to psychiatry, there's like a huge medical debt. I mean, it's like, yeah. med school is not cheap. Yeah. But like the trajectory, I think you're you're pretty much there. You guys have the highest suicide rate of any career path, and yet you guys are the ones who are supposed to solve the suicide issues. Oh, so, I would have checked those numbers. I would check that I out. I'm not it's, sure about that. See that it's right behind I, Dennis, one of the two. Okay. I thought it was right. veterinarian. Veterinarian's pretty rough. Is it vendors? Well, I don't know. Well, we could look at look at some trucks. the top five or something. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Um, that or that or just they have a high suicide rate because they're like listen to people bitch about their lives all the time. I mean, that's that 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 would drive me over the edge. Oh, too, well, that's a big that. deal. You got to learn how to take no. care of yourself. You don't like yeah. sink yeah. into the. Hit of despair. Yeah, you got some beauty queen talking about how hard her life is, you know, that uh, uh, guys are always throwing money at her, and you're like, Are you serious? This is a complaint? I don't know what people complain about in the thing. Right. So uh, tell us a story about how you cook and fire, like, and it doesn't sound like the proper fire you're supposed to use. Oh, right. Cooking. Well, now I have better fire safe procedures, uh, but there was this time where time? I was that one time. Um, I was. Boiling some potatoes over a gas stove, and I leaned over to check on them, and <laughs> boom! I was like, "Dang it! I like that shirt." <laughs> Your shirt fell into the fire. Wow. Yeah. This must have yeah. been a great episode. It's good, it's good reason to tuck your shirt in. You didn't end up with third degree burns or anything, right? You no, 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 no. I, just, okay, so I got caught it quickly. It's not too I didn't, scarring. You didn't have to stop dropping. We're not going to trigger too many people at home with the thing. Not so much. So now your main prerogative when you're cooking is not just to cook the food, but not to cook yourself. This is true. Is that how that works? Yeah, yeah. See, see what I did there? It has served me well. So there you go. I really think you should expand a furry sort of. I, I, has anybody targeted the market for psychology help on furry people? Oh, maybe, I'm sure maybe it they is. don't want to help. Maybe well, I mean, it, it's probably going to be something that's, you know, normalized. You know, like this is how people are and this is what they're into. You know, uh, the funny part about furries is they're having sex in those uh, outfits. Yeah, and I like, saw that CSI episode about that. Yeah, and they're yeah. and they're like I saw like something on a convention. It was like they were doing some documentary about a convention on, them. and uh, not that this is in my Pornhub, uh, but they were they're they're having sex in the outfits. Like it's one. I was watching a convention. And I'm like they're walking around those outfits all day. That's got to get yeah. hot in there, right? Like yeah. I've got like we used to do a thing with the uh, with the rubber ho uh, horse head when I go to conventions and events like CS, and yeah. and I, so we take pictures of all of us casually sitting around and, and just one of us having a horse head and just like 
having it looks like we're having you know we're in a bar having you know conversations and stuff mm-hmm. like hey it's a horse in a bar having conversation who knew you know like yeah you know funny shit like that and uh so we do it as a gag but i mean you can only wear that thing for like <laughs> about two minutes before you your head explode with fire and heat and i'm like how are people walking around wearing that and then i and then i understood those guys you know were doing the wild thing in the suits yeah. and i'm like how, how do you not catch on fire and like explode from internal combustion of heat? But uh, I mean, the, you might be in a, a I don't know, if you're if you're making your own, own outfit, you're probably thinking of ventilation in there somewhere. Yeah, maybe there's a ventilation system to it. Maybe I should look into this more. Uh-huh. Maybe I that, or maybe I don't uh-huh. want to look in this more. Uh-huh. I think. And clearly, do. if you're having sex in it, there are some <laughs> holes in it. So there you go. Yeah, I don't you know what that means. Okay, let, let, let me stop right there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find that on Twitter, folks. Uh, so what have we talked about with your book and your uh, work that we want to tease out to people and get them to contact you and work with you? Um, I think one of the biggest things is the sort of uh, changing your story. <clears throat> like uh, he come, Edwin comes in believing that uh, he's just a, incompetent fish Mm. and then as the story goes on he's like well maybe there's something else maybe there's a different meaning i can make out of my life Mm. right and when i think about like the different meaning i can make out of my life i start thinking about constellations so when you look at stars in the sky i mean if you're in the city you're not going to see that many but you look at think about stars they're just data points and it could be a little dipper you know a little water thing it could be a little bear but if you go back far enough, uh, Babylonian times is a wagon in China. It's a purple house. So the same things can have different stories. And so I want you to look at your own life events, not be delusional, not just edit stuff out, but just look at the things that happened and be like, how can I make a different meaning out of it? How can I make a different story out of it? And that's kind of what Edwin does. And he's encouraged along the way to go like, what if you're something else? What if you're actually cool just the way you are? You're just not what you think you are. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. That does make sense. And maybe maybe what you think is cool that you're not or people told you weren't when you were growing up is you're really just cool and it's fine. It's everybody has a different flavor of cool or different yeah. a different uh you know being and Even everyone if- everyone contributes usually. Yeah. Even if you're into being a furry. Yeah, even if <laughs> that's the callback. Uh, so there you go. It's and and I, it's interesting to me. You give me a new concept and epiphany on you know we talk a lot on the show about traumas and and uh, the traumas that the show gives to people. <laughs> and uh, for listening, <laughs> I'm so to sorry. It. Yeah, well, that's that's why people keep coming back. They're they're. I, I think the trauma abuse. comes from the intro, like they're expecting Probably. like monster trucks. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I, I think I had a presidential advisor one day. He goes, he goes. Hey, I thought I was on a monster truck show or WWE. Like, yeah. what's going on? I, I personally keep expecting like some kind of like two Chris bosses enter, one leaves. You know, there's that other Chris boss, the FBI negotiator. Uh, I'm we were you guys on the same yeah. show. We were we were talking about uh, doing cage matches, death cage matches. <laughs> 
and having like authors come on the show to do that and they fight each other to the death or something maybe there should be a i think that's pretty much every episode we've ever had is is the fight to the death of any brain cells left i don't know <laughs> whatever there's a joke there somewhere <laughs> i'm not gonna unravel it um but uh, there you go and you know this so you give me this this uh, idea that it's just more it's about self-acceptance so do you just beat people over the head when they go my mom didn't hug me enough as a child. Just like shut up and just accept yourself, dummy. That works every time. Basically, yeah. no, no. It's it's got to be like an invitation. I mean, like okay. the the first mentor I ever had in psychology was this guy. Um, I believe it was from Nicaragua, and he's, he used this joke like several times. And he says, "How many light bulbs? Uh, how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb?" And I'm like, I don't know, just one, but it has to want to change. <laughs> Right, so it's all motivation, you know. Light bulb has to want to change, man. right? So you got to follow the motivation. So if someone wants to beat up on themselves, you got to find out why they want to do that. Mm. Most people beat up on themselves and don't like themselves because they think that's the only way to succeed. Hmm. You know, they think if they accept themselves the way they are, well, then that's it. You know, that's it. They have to stay two hundred pounds overweight. They have hmm. to stay underachieving. Hmm. But because. And is it, is it social standards that make them feel that way? They're like, well, I'm not Tom Brady, you know, the caveman, muscle-type dude. Yeah. Uh, so, therefore, I'm an underachiever if I'm not that because that's what society tells me. Yeah. I mean, it basically starts. I mean, one of the reasons I picked, like, this age group for the book is, like, that seems to be where the comparison starts setting in. Mm. Like, around between 8 and 12, something just kind of turns on and kids are like, oh, I'm just going to stop making art because I'm not very good at it. Or maybe I'm just not the best football player in the world. And because they start comparing, um, they can go one of two directions. They can go towards critical thinking, like, all right, what do I need to do to met get my art to look better? Or how do I up my game? Mm -hmm. Or they can go to another direction, which is self-judgment. It's like, well, I just suck and I should just stop trying. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so that's what I want to get people to stop judging and mm -hmm. start going towards great you want a goal i mean you want to mm -hmm. change something let's find a goal what can you do there you go right and so the questions you have in the book are designed for classrooms mental health professionals for caregivers in general um and uh, of course it's set in an aquatic fish sort of uh scenario uh i like it it's it's a it's a it, it it helps people kind of identify that you know hey everyone's got a place in this world it's a big world there's a it's multifaceted everyone's got something to contribute um you know it is tough when you're growing up especially in high school because you know it seems like there's the jocks and there's the cheerleaders and then there's the nerds and you know it's kind of segue is segmented into the, you know these different cliques and stuff but you know Nowadays, you know, nerds were the world, and and I don't know all the guys who uh, all the guys who were jocks in high school, or you know, I don't know they're working security jobs or now or something. I don't really know. I'm just making that up, people. Right. People, people from my high school. But are gonna call a, lot me of, a lot of the guys they do tend to kind of peak. You know, that was yeah. their that was their time. Yeah, yeah. There's a joke there somewhere about that, but sure. I'm not. Gonna Where did you fit it. in on this, by the way? I gotta know. Like, we're uh, you, I'm getting like you were not the jock. But a geek's not your thing. Where did you fit in? I was probably geeky, but yeah. I was also probably a narcissistic asshole, so I didn't really care. 
I was probably, I don't know, somewhere in between because I had friends yeah. who were geeks, really yeah. geeky, and I really didn't like them. I mean, I liked them, but uh, I would probably pick on them a little bit. Yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of like mid jock, mid geek. I was probably yeah. somewhere in the middle, yeah. which is probably hasn't changed actually. Uh, cause I still tease some of my geek friends, but I'm probably geeky when it comes yeah. down to it. I'm just in denial. I'm one of those self-loathing people. Like you ever meet, you ever, you ever meet someone who's, who's something and, and, the, and they hate on other people or like them and you're like, but what you're, that makes no sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing I figured out, if it's not going too deep, is like, if you do self-loathing, it's kind of like you beat other people to the punch. Oh yeah. You yeah, can't yeah. make fun of me. Because I hate me more. Yeah. We call it self-effacing in comedy, but it's really self-loathing yeah. when it yeah. comes down to it, if you know most comedians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. And you do a little bit of that. You do you do uh, comedic improv work. Uh, yeah. That's why we've been having fun on the show. Uh, tell us what you like about that, and does, does it help you with uh, not only your own therapy, but other people's therapy? Well, yeah. Comedy is pretty amazing. I mean, comedy is both like, almost like forbidden. I know a lot of people who say their therapists have no sense of humor, <laughs> uh, which is a problem, but you don't have your, you don't want to have your therapist be all like glib and like cracking jokes all the time. My, my therapist laughs at everything I say. I mean, he just, he'll roll around like, I'll, I'll be like, my mom doesn't love me. And my dad didn't hug me enough as a child. And he just rolls on the ground and he's right. like, and then I'm like, what's that about? And he's like, well, I see their point. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about, <laughs> nice. but I don't know why well, I'm paying $120 an hour for this abuse. Well, one of the coolest things about comedy came out from uh, reading a book called Truth in Comedy. Uh, uh, Truth in Comedy is about like finding out like the things that are the funniest are actually the things that are true. Like it's yeah. not just stuff that's clever. It's stuff that's like, oh, that hurts. Like, oh, that's a little too true. And so, but what's also cool about comedy, not only do you find what's true, uh, according to like uh, Stephen Porges and polyvagal theory, you actually can help people feel a sense of safety. Mm. And if you can help someone feel safe and like even laugh at themselves a little bit, like it's okay. Um, you're already starting to think more clearly. You know, you're not scared of what the other person is say. You're not going to say. You're just like, okay, we're cool. We're we're hanging out now. There you go. That's why we call this infotainment what we do here on the on the Chris Voss Show podcast. Nice. You know, we, we have brilliant people on like yourself and really high minded stuff. And you know, it can get it can get dry if we don't, you know, it's uh if we don't throw some comedy in there. And people yeah. learn so much better with comedy. And like you say, comedy is a great deliverer of truth because yeah. you know, holding a mirror up to people and going, You're really fucked up either as a human race or as a people or, you know, what we do or just in an individual. Um holding a mirror and saying that to people is, you know, it's not it's not a big rapport builder last time I checked. And people turn <laughs> turn it off no. to it. Yeah. No. Which no, is what my like mom it. did to me growing up. Right. But uh, um so No, don't be. Uh it it, it it was a character builder. Good. There you go. Uh, I had a really cool conversation. Uh, I had this privilege of speaking with John Cleese of Monty Python. Oh, there you uh, go. And it was really cool. We we talked about uh, comedy and psychology. And one of the things that was cool about that is we came to this agreement. So I was thinking comedy, you can either use it to avoid pain, like kind of laugh it off, keep it at a distance, or you can use it as kind of like a, you know, a Band-Aid to help you get through it. And he added to it. He said, you know, I think it's actually, well, in, in, in his act, his way, I think it's actually about 
uh, it can actually be the way through the pain. There you go. You know, like it, it is the transformational thing. Like if you can laugh your ass off while you're in pain, mm -hmm. you can be like, actually, maybe it's not so bad. There you go. And it, it gives you some levity and uh, perspective, I think, too, yeah. uh, it, where, you know, it, it's interesting about whenever we go through something cathartic or some sort of challenging time, you know, there's always those people who who always tell you, you're going to laugh about this someday, and you, then you punch them in the face. Uh, and, yeah. and then you tell them, you're going to laugh about this someday, too, probably. <laughs> so how's that, fucker? How does that work? How's that? Yeah. Enjoy that. Uh, line um, and so but you know then we usually end up do you know later we can look at things and maybe smile on them and and they're not so dreary and dark and we can go hey I got through that and comedy like you say helps us get through that uh, I love comedy because like you say you can address different things you know social issues what people yeah. do you know and you can say hey we do some really stupid shit as human beings yes but you don't have to say it in that way and you can present it in a way where we can look to the mirror and laugh but inside we're going that's eh, some truth to yeah. that yeah yeah we're not we're not as uh we're not the the smartest little beings we think we are maybe we could may, and maybe we should do better yeah and, I mean, it's uh, a great way to get change to happen i mean that it was like know. the whole role of the trickster in in mythology and folklore like the coyote mm -hmm. native american groups um the court jester in medieval you know courts he was the guy who could make fun of the king mm -hmm. um so like could say the uncomfortable truth you know and as a psychotherapist i think it's important to be able to say hey by the way there's this elephant in the room we should talk about that we should talk about <laughs> we should talk about this elephant in the room yeah. you know and if you can make it feel can feel safe while doing it, it's like okay fine you're right my therapy my therapist laughs at the elephant in the room it's like holy shit that's an ugly ass <laughs> elephant where'd you get it from my mom I don't know why. Using my mom as a callback joke. I'm sorry, mom. I love my mom. She's nice. Uh, we're just we're just having fun. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, the the elephant in the room. You know, people people need to learn, and it, it's so. Do people need to sit down and go basically do that? Uh, who's that guy? Guy Smiley or whatever it was on uh, on Saturday Night Live, where you look in the mirror. It was Al Franken, and you go, oh, uh, I yeah, like the, myself. The yeah, the uh, I like myself. I'm a good person. Do people just need to do more of that? Is basically that it? Oh, honestly, that's a that's a great question because I I wondered that for years, and it turns out like Kristen Neff, NEFF, has done this amazing research on this, mm -hmm. and she just basically borrowed heavily from Buddhism, where it's about being kind to yourself. Uh -huh. Like, what if I like myself? What if I'm open to the idea of someday liking myself? There's this whole tradition of a loving, loving kindness meditation. As cheesy mm. as that sounds, it's a great way to kind of open it up to like, well, what if I actually am okay with me? There you go. I mean, everyone should be okay with themselves. I mean, screw other people, what other people think. You yeah, know, that, it's dangerous. You know, it's dangerous it? to, because if you're ostracized by your community, it can kind of feel like death. That's true. Yeah, that can feel death. But you know, maybe, maybe it's maybe it's them and not you. I don't know. That's yeah. a whole narcissistic uh, outlook <laughs> on life. <laughs> the, uh, but you know, it's it's one of those things where you know, what was the old thing with the uh, Fight Club? I remember watching Fight Club, oh, yeah. and we're trying to get uh, the author on the show. He's got a new book out, um, and uh, so watch for that in case we do, because I'd love to get him. Uh, but I was remember watching Fight Club, and the guy said, uh, I think it was a Brad Pitt line, he said, 
He said, you know, we buy stuff to impress people who don't give a shit about us. Yeah. And I, that really struck me because I was buying all sorts of stuff to impress people and, and impress myself. I grew up poor, so some of it was for me. But it really struck me, and I'm like, God, people don't give a shit. Like, you know, I've, I've met people that are like, they're, they spend a lot of time worried about what people think about them socially. Mm -hmm. And about 40, it seems like when you're about 40, you finally realize that, hey, man, everyone's not thinking about you. Mm -hmm. Like, they're busy. They're just like you. They're thinking about them. They're not really worried about what Chris Voss is doing 24-7, unless they're my stalkers. Mm -hmm. But uh, other than that, you know, those are the people who make me feel loved because, yeah. you know, they need me. Um, yeah. But uh, all five of them. But, uh, yeah. So, But seriously, it, yeah. it's like we, we seem to be uh, kind of wired for this. Like, mm. you know, it's the amygdala is a sort of like little tiny thing in the mammal part of your brain, but the emotional center. And it's mm. looking for threats. You know, it's looking for like, that's just, you know, it's, it's better to mistake a stick for a snake and like freak out uh, than die. You know, we're selected for that. And so it's like physical threats, but also emotional threats. Because if we're ostracized, you know, if we're out of the group, we don't get to eat. You know, we, could, we only get to forage whatever we can and they can just, you know, keep us out and so that sense of like threat from being like kicked out um is just there we didn't ask for that to be installed mm -hmm. and so we've got to know that that threat's there and then try to like keep that in mind what do i do to not get kicked out but also kind of like like yourself at the same time so it's like a constant mm -hmm. balance how do we keep liking yourself belonging to who you are but also kind of fitting in but not so much that you lose track of who you are uh, see, I just like myself a lot, and then I try to do everything I can to get kicked out of the tribe. But for some reason, <laughs> they try. think it's entertaining, so they keep me. <laughs> so I don't know. I just don't uh, give a fuck anymore. It's uh, there, there's some dark triad stuff going on there. Uh, I see that there's like a Rorschach test behind you or something. Oh right yeah, beside your book. Um, what's that about? I'm curious. Oh, it's it's just pro this way. First. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, a little homage to like the traditions of psychotherapy. Um, every now and then I use one. Um, but it's just, you know, just kind of fills in the blank. Like, well, what do you think it is? There you go. Yeah. Is, is, uh, is it weird that every Rorschach test to me looks like a female body part? Or is that something seriously wrong with me? I don't think it's something serious. I think it tells me that, you know, like your social <laughs> life needs to change a little bit. <laughs> Do I need a frontal lobotomy? Is that a shock? shock no, you need a bottle in front of me. Very much more than Nelson. Well, yeah. we we did about twenty years of that, so nice. Okay, not going back to that. So okay. there you go. Any final thoughts you want to tease out, uh, Brighton, before we go on? Written, Brighton, um, yeah, thanks. Um, well, I think there's a lot of stuff that people can um, you know learn from this book, but something that's not fully detailed in there that I think is a great thing to run you know to to take from this is a lot of like what we do comes down to the sort of mammal maintenance. And when I say mammal maintenance, it's like the homo sapiens part of us, you know, the logic, the deciding, if it was all about that, we wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have much to talk about. We get in trouble mm -hmm. because of all this mammal stuff. We don't feel safe mm -hmm. enough. Uh, there's all this stuff happening behind the scenes about what we're afraid of, what our first relationships were, what our beliefs are how we make meaning out of the world and how we feel about it. 
-hmm. And what we've really got to do, what I do most of the time, is just deal with all this mammal stuff. How can they take care of like this thing? It's almost like it's a you know it's a wildly ill-trained dog, and you got to like <laughs> soothe this. You know, especially in couples, they're like, "Wow, okay, let's 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 see if we can do less blaming and more like seeing each other." But again, when you seem you know they feel safe, the mammal's mm. like cool, and then Homo sapiens back online. There you go. A lot of mammal stuff, eh? A lot of mammal stuff. Maybe, yeah. maybe I should start using that in my arguments with other people. Could be in a mammal, eh? Mm -hmm. so maybe they evolve. Yeah. Evolve. Sounds like most politicians and political conversation I have on Facebook. Eh. So there you go. True. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been very insightful, uh, cool. Britain, uh, and uh, very exciting. And and I'm glad there's a resource out there for geeks everywhere. You know, everyone everyone has a place in life. Uh, one thing I remember looking, I remember when I was a kid looking at the Sears catalog, and the, the, it kind of came to me that that life is like the Sears catalog. You can choose the life you want to have. Just like uh, you can look in the book and be like, hey, I want to choose this life. I want to do that life. And yeah, maybe your personality might be more geeky or you might be better at math and other people are better at social skills. But a lot of things you can really develop. Like, I was a I was a really closed off um, um, introvert when I was young yeah. and I was a people watcher and I learned a lot from that. But um, then the, then the uh, judge says, I can't do that at the park bench anymore. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, but I, you know, I slowly learned, uh, you know, starting companies that I had to open yeah. my mouth and be a leader and, yeah. and uh, communicate and, and be an extrovert. And now people can get me to shut the fuck up. Yeah. So, which is what the judge also <laughs> talks to me about. Yeah. Um, and I'll get the ankle bracelet off next week. That's good. Uh, as long as they meet my parole conditions. Uh, but, but, you know, people can change and grow. So I think it's important people realize mm -hmm. that, that everyone's got something to contribute. And maybe the conversation needs to be like what you've talked about, uh, gaining self-acceptance of yourself, knowing your self-worth. And, you know, asking yourself, hey, what can I contribute to this world? And yeah. uh, how can I make a difference? And there's so many different levels of where people share stories. I mean, there's so many people we've had on the show that share their stories, share what they learned, uh, written great books about it. And stories are kind of like the owners. I, I know this is redundant. My audience is like, he's not going to say it again. But stories are the great owner's manual to life. We don't get an owner's manual. So mm -hmm. sharing stories and helping each other. And then, of course, realizing we're not alone uh, is a great owner's manual to life. And Usually when you help yourself in that way, you help other people too. Because other people go, hey, uh, I'm a furry and I need help too. So there you go. <laughs> Precisely. We need to have more furries on this show just so I can figure out what the hell's going on with that whole furry thing. It's a good challenge. You know? And we can figure out what how that whole heat element thing gets worked out because that's when I'm curious about it. Um, so there you go. Uh, yeah. These are things that I lay awake at night and wonder about. Like, how do they not internally combust wearing that for a whole, you know, conference show? Yeah. So if you figure it out, please let me know so I can get some sleep. God damn it. Uh, thank you very much, Breton, for coming on the show. Uh, give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Yeah, you bet. Uh, NotFishyEnough.com and BrettonColbert.com. There you go. There you go. And uh, all that good stuff. So uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. It's great.
There you go. Uh, order up the book where refined books are sold. Remember, stay away of those fishy alleyway bookstores. Uh, the book is entitled Not Fishy Enough, a ridiculous parable about finding worth through self-acceptance out December 20th, 22, 2022. There's a lot of twos in there. So December, 2022. There you go. Uh, Britton uh, Colbert, uh, look for it wherever their books are sold. Uh, thanks much for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you guys as always as a family. Remember the Chris Foss show is a giant family reunion where the family gets together and, and uh, I don't know, we throw food at each other something uh, or we listen to just great people that come on the show uh go to goodreads.com for chess chris foss linkedin.com for chess chris foss youtube.com for chess chris foss and uh chris foss one at tiktok thanks for tuning in be good to each other and self-accept yourself already damn it we'll see you next time 